0: We know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Um, as Bill mentioned, my name is John. I am the pastor of discipleship here at Ascent. And one of the things that I get to do is help people find their place here. So if you approach me and um, come to me, I, my, heart, my heart's intention is to help you just find connection in a way that meets where you are. And even if you approach me with a bolo tie and Oakley glasses, I will still receive you. Okay? Good. Well, welcome. It's good to be here with you this morning. I'm delighted to be able to share with you this morning what uh, God has laid on my heart. We are in week two of a series called The In Between. And my intention always when I get up here and interact with you all as human beings is to help you move one step closer to healing and freedom. So that's my heart's intent. I wanna take you to a place where you experience inner healing, where you experience the joy of freedom, and what it looks like to live this life that Jesus calls us to live, this abundant life. So I wanna start with a practice because as I was listening to Bill talk, he was talking about how we come into this space we're all carrying things. We got things that happened throughout the week or over this last month. So we're gonna do a little practice, okay? You guys with me? Yes. Good, let's practice. So I want you to just take your hand, stick it out like this and don't stick it in your neighbor's face, please. And just start shaking it, all right? So we're gonna shake off anxiety, the need to control outcomes. We're gonna shake off shirking. We're gonna shake the shirk. We're gonna shake off the need to control. We're gonna shake off uh, resistance to change because many of us in this room, anytime we hear something new, our initial posture is, I gotta resist that. So we're gonna shake off that resistance to change and we're gonna shake off, again, shake off the shirking because we don't want shirkers in the building. And we shake off all of these things and then I want you to make a fist and now I want you to put it on your chin. All right, some of you got it right. Some of you are paying attention. Most of you, your chin is right here, I believe. Check your face just to make sure where it's located. So I want to talk to you this morning about the art of paying attention and about the art of listening and the art of awareness and that there's always things going on right in front of us that we're missing. And if we're not paying attention, we could walk right by significant moments, walk right by people walk by these spaces where God might want to meet us in these particular spaces. And so we're stepping into what is called the in-between. And the in-between space is the space of what could be. So in this space of the in-between, could is good. Now I want to read a statement to you, and then I want to invite you just to sit with it for a moment and see how it feels as you hear it. See, do you resonate with this statement? So read this. As I stated, the God of your understanding is just that, the God of your understanding. What you need is the God just beyond your understanding. How does that feel for you? You're like, first of all, don't tell me what I need. I'm not even sure I need that. But maybe you think that that's the God that you're interacting with, the one that's just outside of your understanding, the one that lives in this space of mystery An uncertainty that you can't control certain outcomes that you're like, I'm not quite sure what to do in this space of unknowing. And there's a part of me that wants to know what I'm looking with. And yet this God, this mysterious God lives in this space just outside of my reach. So how does that feel for you this morning? Last week, Quincy invited us into the in-between and he took us through the front door And for those of you who said yes to the invitation to step into the front door and begin this journey, you may have experienced some discomfort in that space. And he left us with a question last week, and he asked the question, what is it that's keeping you from loving yourself? And so often it's easy to love God, and it's relatively easy to love people, but when we come and we turn that towards loving self, there's a resistance that rises up in people even when we hear the term, it's okay As God invites you into that space, so what came up for you as you were sitting in that space of why is it difficult for me to turn that towards me and and begin to love how God made me who I am as somebody created in his image and likeness? And so as Quincy invited us into that space last week, what did it bring up in you? And this morning he asked me to take us into the dining room. And so we're going to step into the dining room through the front door, and you'll notice in the dining room that there's a table, and around the table there are people. Now, I refer to Quincy as a spiritual architect. He's the one who created this journey called the in-between, and as I sat with Quincy and asked him questions about, okay, exactly how do we take these concepts that seem very abstract and bring them down into our current reality, and we began to unpack it. And it occurred to me that when Quincy brought up this concept of the in-between, my wife has been playing with this idea of the in-between for years and years and years. And the more I get to know Quincy, the more I realize that Quincy and my wife are very similar. They kind of live in these abstract places and they're delightfully strange in so many good ways. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I've got two of you now that live in kind of this beautiful artistic space. And uh, as I was talking to Shannon about Quincy introducing the in-between, Shannon just recently wrote a book, and I I just wanted to share it with you. It's called The In-Between, and she did not know that Quincy was creating this learning journey that we're going to be on for the few next weeks. So again, The In-Between, this is Shannon's story of God intervening in a story of her life where she was battling cancer in her 30s. We had two little kids, We had just planted a church and how God met us in that in-between space and how God brought healing to my wife's life. She's still here after 20 years. She's free and clear. So I just, I think it's a great story. I'm proud of her for writing the story and just throwing it out in the world. It's always difficult when you make yourself vulnerable and you just toss out your created thing into the world because then it opens you up for people to be like, that was terrible or that was wonderful. All kinds of things can come your way. But she has stepped into that space. And so when Quincy and I began even curating and talking about the in-between space, I kept asking Quincy questions. So exactly what are we looking at? And I, I began to come up with terminology to help me understand the space that he was talking about and that Shannon is talking about. And I started to articulate that space where Heaven and earth actually connect is the in-between space. Where something mystical and magic, it's like something opens up and you see things from a different angle and perspective. So when God, the heavens, come down and touch the earth, that's that in-between space, and something opens up and shifts in the atmosphere and you are never the same after you experience a God moment. Where God enters into your story into your life and into your heart. Years ago, I was doing some study around Celtic Christianity, and the Celtic Christians came onto the scene about 200 years after the time of Jesus on earth. And as they made their way up to Northern Ireland to share the good news of Jesus Christ, they began using terminology. And this terminology may sound new to some of you this morning. It may sound strange to some of you. It may make you uncomfortable. And I wanna just tell you, that's okay. Welcome to ascent. Get used to being uncomfortable. And as we step into that journey this morning, as those things come up and you just sit with it and see where God takes you with it. But as I was studying these Celtic Christians, they use this term when heaven and earth come into our space and time continuum, when it steps into our time, they refer to it as thin places. Thin place moments where the divine touches earth. And something opens up, something shifts. And then they also refer to as the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. And I was like, I'm all in for the wild goose. We're like, let's go. What are we doing to pursue the goose, to chase the goose? The goose is loose. What are you even talking about? This is beautiful language. So this morning, what we're going to do as we come into the end, I want to first welcome you to this space, but we're going to chase the goose. And we're going to look for thin place moments. And we're going to invite the goose to be loose in this room and in our lives and in this space. And maybe just maybe this morning, even today, as we go out into that space out there, we might experience a thin place moment. So let's talk a little bit about this nuance of paying attention. And so I want to welcome you into the inn. I wanna welcome you into this second phase, what I'm calling the really real. So you're about to experience the really real. We're gonna look at a story out of the Old Testament this morning, out of Genesis 28. And in Genesis 28, there's this human named Jacob. And we sang about this morning, he was in our song. And Jacob's a, it's a big deal in the big story of God. He's a big player in the big story throughout the scripture. And Jacob has an experience. He has a thin place moment. And when he has this thin place moment, he can no longer unsee what he sees. And that's the thing. When you experience something that's just beyond your reach and you experience the divine touching earth, you can't unsee it. You can ignore it. You can shove it away, but you can't unsee it and you know it. And when you see it, you taste it, you experience it. Hopefully you want more of it and you crave it, and you're like, I will do anything to situate myself, to experience thin place moments, moments, and I will do everything I can to pursue the wild goose. Because I don't want to go through life with complacency. I don't want to become indifferent. I don't want to get too comfortable. I don't want to live in the knowing. I want to move towards that unknowing, uncertain space where God opens up reality, and I begin to see what's really real. So that's where we're stepping into this morning in Genesis 28. So I want you to turn to the screens for a moment. We're going to read, first of all, 28, 10 through 11. And this is what it says. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night. Because the sun had set, taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. Place. Let's stop there for a moment, a little background of what's going on in this particular part of the story. Jacob, first of all, is running away from his life. Now, any good story that you see in scripture, in literature, in movies, you'll always notice there's a character who starts by running away from their life because life got too complicated. Am I talking to anybody in the room for the moment? Running away. His family finally implodes, unhealthy, dysfunctional family. His his dad is on his deathbed. His dad is Isaac, who's also a big deal in God's story. Jacob comes from Isaac. He and his twin brother Esau are in a major conflict. And here's what's going on. Jacob wants the birthright that rightfully belongs to Esau who was the first one out of his mother's womb. And so Jacob wants that birthright, that blessing from dad before dad dies. And so Rebekah, the mom, colludes with Jacob and they come up with a plan to deceive the dad and steal the birthright. And so they, they deceive dad, steal the birthright. It's now Jacob's birthright. He gets the blessing, he gets to carry on the legacy. And then Esau hears about what happens. Rebecca overhears Esau talking and he vows to kill his brother. Welcome to the biblical narrative. It's quite complicated. And so these two have this major conflict going on. Jacob is running away from Esau because Esau wants to kill his brother. And so mom says, hey, you need to go move in with uncle Laban out in Haran, like dice out now, blow. And so he's on his way out. He's running away from conflict. So instead of Dealing with the conflict, instead of looking at it, instead of possibly working it out in an unhealthy move, Jacob runs away, mom perpetuates it, the family's in chaos, and now we have a dysfunctional family. Welcome to humanity. And that dysfunction, that dysfunction that they're not looking at and won't deal with, continues to bring more dysfunction. Into Jacob's life. And if you go on with Jacob's story, it's just like one piece of dysfunction after another. It gets really complicated and ugly. And this is the guy. This is the guy that God chooses and says, Yeah, I can work with this. This is great. This is great material right here. This is how I'm going to bring out redemption in the world. And Jacob comes to a certain place. And what I love about this particular part of the story is that it just calls it a certain place. So it's not really that important, it's seemingly insignificant. It's just dirt, rock, sand out in the middle of nowhere. It's just a certain place. And then he pulls up a rock and he puts it under his head and he nods off for the night. Question, is this a sacred space that he's in? Or is it just a certain place? Is the rock magic? Is the rock like an opening to some secret portal into another world, a key? What is it? Jacob lies down on the rock on the sand, on the dirt, and he nods off for the night. And then the story continues, and we pick up in verse 12. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth. <laughs> Here we go. The top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, good old dad. And the land in which you lie, I will give it to you and to your offspring and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Typical dream. Jacob wakes up, looks around on the earth. There's no ladder marks anywhere. There's no angel footprints that stirred up the sand. Same rock, not magic. Same dirt, same place. Nothing seemed to have stirred anything. And yet Jacob has an experience that causes him to redefine what is really real. And when you're dealing with the God just outside of your understanding that's when you start to experience the really real. We have our version of reality. And then God says, I want to open up something. I want to pull back the curtain. I want to pull up the corner of the rug. And I want to show you what's going on just underneath the surface. You think it's just sand and rock and air and the same certain place. It's not. There's a whole other world going on in this moment. So when you experience the thin place moment and you experience God interacting With your time and space and in your time and space continuum, the question is, is what do you do about it? How do you respond? Do you hold on to your current view of reality? Do you hold on to your understanding of God? Or do you open yourself up into a more expansive space and say, maybe God is up to something else and I just wasn't aware. And now I'm becoming aware that God is meeting me in this time and space. We read on in the story, verse 16. Then Jacob wakes up, the text says, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Don't you love that line? I didn't know. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Again, was this place special? Was it significant? Did this place become holy or was it already holy before he got there? And the fact that it's holy, he just became aware that it was already holy. The ground itself didn't become a holy space in that moment. The ground itself was already holy. God inhabited that space. And it was as if God says, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pull back one edge of the earth. And I want to show you something. Just a glimpse of something else going on right here within this world. So God pulls back that thread pulls back that veil and reveals the really real. And when you experience the really real, how do you respond? (laughs) Jacob says, oh, I didn't know. How awesome is this place? This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. It's almost as if when you experience the wild goose, you're just scattering for words. You're reaching for something to define what you just witnessed, what you just saw, what you tasted and experienced. And all throughout the biblical narrative, when you read through the whole story, you see person after person having encounters with God. And when they have an encounter with God, typically what happens is they're trembling in fear. They're running to the corners of the earth. They're trying to do everything they can to get, a, they're like, oh my God, did you just see what just happened? The earth is shaking, there's fire, there's smoke, there's wind. It's all this stuff, this upheaval. And they're scattering for words. They're trying to define something that can't be easily defined. That's that in-between space where God comes into our current time continuum, meets us and pulls back one corner and gives us just a glimpse. Because friends, let's be honest, a glimpse is all you can handle. Because if God's like, I'm going to unload the whole thing, whoa, you would come unglued apart. But he's like, I'm just going to pull back a corner and invite you to take a glimpse. And then you're forever changed because what you see, you can't now unsee. So as you walk around this place and as you leave here today, be very careful because you might bump into an altar that you can't even see. You might bump into something. You might see something that's going to shift your reality. And so check out what it says in verse 18 and 19. Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set up a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Bethel is a much better name. So what do you do after you taste? What do you do when you've encountered, you build an altar? you pour oil on it, you do everything you can to mark that space. Because our propensity as human beings is to forget those moments and just carry on with our life as is. But Jacob's like, no, 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 no. I'm marking this certain place. And now this certain place is the gate of heaven. There's ladders, there's angels, there's footprints, there's a stirring going on. And God meets Jacob in that space. And all Jacob can do is says, I got to redefine my current view of reality. And he steps into this new way of being. And as Jacob is walking away that day, I picture in my head, as he's heading off to see Uncle Laban, he takes one more look back and he sees the finger of God pointing up from the earth, going, That's where it happened. Out in the middle of nowhere, in a certain place. All of a sudden, the middle of nowhere became somewhere. What seemed insignificant became all important. It became the space where God entered into the human story. This man, Jacob, he's pretty much a scoundrel right out of the gate, a deceitful scoundrel. And God decides to reveal himself to a deceitful scoundrel? Are you kidding me? This is the guy you chose to reveal the really real. And it's almost as if God isn't interested in your pedigree and all your lists and all the ways that you've been faithful in all your accomplishments. He's like, no, 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 no. In this world, in this time and space, I want to give everybody a peek. And what I want to do is just pull up the corner and just show you. So be very careful when you leave this place today, because God might pull back the corner. And the Bible is loaded with moments like this. The Bible is loaded with the footprints of the wild goose just running amuck calling people, wake up, wake up, step into this experience. And that when these experiences reveal themselves, you start to realize the whole thing is holy. The whole earth is holy. There's no such thing as designated spaces that are just mundane, ordinary spaces. And these spaces over here are holy spaces. I grow tired of that language of secular and spiritual. I get really tired of it. Because the whole thing is sacred and beautiful, and what we want to do is we want to separate it out, and God's like, I want to come into the in-between and fill all of those spaces. And I thought about the things that keep us from experiencing these spaces, and there's a term that I hear quite often among sophisticated adults, which is all of you, correct? And so we come into these spaces together, and we start talking with one another, And if you haven't been around for a while and I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, what's been going on? And many times the response that we hear from humans is what? Oh, I've been really busy. As if it's a good thing. I've been really busy, like therefore I'm really important because I've been really busy. And then we perpetuate busyness in society. And then we want our kids to be really busy because Lord forbid that our kids experience space and silence. But we want to just fill up as much space as we can with busyness and perpetuate that busyness as if busyness is a healthy pursuit. What if we don't do busy, friends? What if we become the kinds of people who are intentional about creating space to interact with the holy, to interact with each other, to interact with what God's doing in our own lives, to be intentional, like fighting for space, like I am going to create space Imagine coming to somebody and saying, Well, I haven't seen you for a while, what have you been up to? Oh, I've been creating space from a lot of things. And just trying to be quiet and sit in the moment. But we move at such a rapid pace that I'm afraid we're missing all of these in-between spaces because we're moving at such a rapid pace. Jacob wasn't doing anything other than camping out and running for his life. He didn't like set himself up in the proper pose. With his legs crossed and his openness, he, he didn't even do any of that. Jacob was just living his life. And then God decides to give him a peek. He's just out there living. God says, I wanna show you something. And he's like, I want you to wake up every morning alive. I don't want you to wake up dead. But I want you to wake up alive. I want you to wake up with a hunger. I want you to wake up stating, I'm gonna do everything I can to chase the wild goose today. I'm gonna to pursue the goose. I'm going after it because the goose is loose and I gotta get to it. And I wanna do everything I can to identify thin place moments in every human interaction and every moment. And when I'm out walking through the neighborhood, I don't wanna miss a thin place moment because if the whole thing is set up where God wants to intervene and come into our spaces and into our conversations, then we get to pay attention. We get to do the art of noticing. Is that a thin place moment? So instead of doing busy, maybe we do slow down, practice paying attention. The question comes up though, is if we pursue the wild goose, we don't get to control the outcome. Uh Uh-oh. And what will we have to show for it? If we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, then what, what part do we get to show for it? Do I get to show what I've produced or do I just simply get to follow and surrender and move and dance. Our staff went on a, tr- a retreat last weekend up to Breckenridge. And as we were up in Breckenridge, we arrived Monday afternoon, got situated in our Airbnb, and we did dinner at about 8.30. These people eat at 8.30. I have no idea what they're thinking. I'm in bed by nine, so I got 30 minutes and then I'm out. So, you know, John woolner has got to adjust, got to adjust, got to grow up, bro. So I finally get to bed, drifted off to sleep. I wake up in the morning and Chris Lagerdras beats me up. I'm like, he is awake at like six o'clock. I th- he could be because Chris has two little kids. I don't know. But the dude is awake and he made coffee. So I'm ready. I'm like, I love Chris Lagerdrost." So I go out with Chris. He's making the coffee and he says, I want you to come out on the back patio for a moment. He takes me out to the back patio and there is a moose lying in the grass about from where I am to Chris Sturgeon. So envision that Chris Sturgeon is a mighty moose. What do you think? Does that feel right to you? That's right. About this close. So there's reverence, but the moose is lying down, which is great. So I go back in and get my coffee and then I come out and I sit down and I begin to watch the moose and I felt a nudge and this image, this word comes to me and says, match the moose. I'm like, match the moose, okay. Is this magic coffee? Is there a magic rock somewhere? Match the moose. So the moose is lying down, eyes are open, head is up. And I watched the moose breathe. And so I matched the moose's breathing pattern. And I'm stepping in and I'm just breathing with this beautiful creature. And then behind this creature are the mountains. And trees, wind rustling through the leaves. And I'm like, oh. I'm thinking, is this, is this a thin place moment? Where I'm experiencing something bigger than me, something more beautiful. So I just matched the moose as I was chasing the goose, <laughs> aligning myself with what God was doing in that moment. When you leave this space this morning, you're going to be met with the Flatiron Mountains. And I think, somebody who's only lived here a year, I'm still not tired of them. I don't know how you can get tired of those things. But they demand your attention. So when you go out this morning and you leave and go off into your perspective spaces, you're gonna be met with creation. That's an invitation to look and delight in God's goodness. Or you can just get to your car and get from point A to point B, which many of us do. But I think we're invited to take a look, to hold reverence And so when I was matching the moose, I was just in a space where I was holding reverence with that moose. And then the moose got up and I stepped back because you want to respect the space. But I held my ground and I was like, I don't think this moose is really interested in me. I'm not that tasty. So the moose just got up, slowly went over to the trees and began eating. And I just sat back down in ease and continued to watch God's good creation. Now it's easy to hold reference for creation It's holding reverence for humanity that gets complicated. Because humans, we can hold reverence for certain humans or certain groups of humans that maybe we don't have a lot of close proximity to or interaction with, but it's particular humans that are hard to hold reverence for. And when I say particular humans, I mean the humans who are in line on their cell phones while we're all waiting for the clerk to open up and we get to listen in on your conversation with your mother. Or the particular human that we're walking through a crowd and they don't seem interested in moving at the pace that I would like to move at. And they're slower than me. Or those particular humans that don't seem aware that they're occupying my space. They're in my space. Get out of my space. And those particular humans sometimes makes it really complicated. But what happens so often is that God oftentimes shows up in a thin place, and he ends up looking a lot like people. And we have this moment of interaction, this in between us and human, and as we come to the table in the dining room, we realize that the table is full of humans, and I thought I was in charge of the guest list, but apparently Jesus took the guest list from me and changed it, and he doesn't seem interested in my guest list. He wants to invite people to the table that maybe I don't even want to bump into, let alone see, or let alone be in the same room with. And he invites me into this space and this place to interact with particular humans that I don't necessarily want to interact with. It's quite easy to hold reverence for God's creation, but holding reverence for humanity, that gets tricky. I was reading this ancient statement from the Talmud, which is a rabbinic ancient writing that is carried on through the generations. And it says this, this is a beautiful statement. It says, every blade of grass has its own angel bending over it, whispering, grow, grow. And I thought about humans. Every human being has an angel bending over their shoulders, whispering in their ears, grow, grow. That human that you're interacting with on the other side of that table, God is whispering in their ear, grow, grow. And God is inviting us as we interact with these humans to be a space and a place to help people grow and flourish and not to refer to them as idiots, but to say they're working on their life in the same way that I'm working on my life. And that every person I interact with, I'm actually related to that person, even though I don't know their name. Do you see that? That human connection. And instead of seeing them as an obstacle first, I see them as a human first. And that's the invitation into this in-between space as we come to the table and recognize, to speak words of blessing and life over that human being, even if I'm just thinking it and delighting in that person. How about recognizing that there's a whole other world right here within this one, and this one that we currently see isn't real. But the one just underneath the rug, the sand, the rock, that's the really real. That's the one that God says, this is where I'm operating in. That morning as I was matching the moose, I went inside and we had our first session together that Bill was leading us through, and I felt an invitation from the wild goose to delight in people, So as each person was talking around the circle, I just practiced delighting in them. Just like, thank you, Jesus, for Maggie. Thank you for Terry. Thank you for Stuart. Thank you for Maurice and Chris. I just thank you, God. I just delight in them. And I was delighting in them as we were talking and working through. Sorry, Bill, I know you had thought about this a lot, but I was just delighting in people. And that includes you. And just delighting in God's good created beings, and that night I did get to bed by 9:30, which was sweet. As I drifted off to sleep, I felt an invitation from the Spirit. Now I want you just to delight in yourself. I was like, "Oh, you want me to step into the flow?" I delighted in God, creation, others. Now I just want you to delight in you, and I began to thank God for my body, and I thanked God for my ability to to be who I am today. And I thanked God for my experiences and I thanked God for allowing me to walk that morning up to some of the ski resorts and talk and interact with other human beings. I thanked God for the way he made me and I delighted in myself as a way of delighting in people and a way of delighting in God. I wanna leave you with a couple of practices this morning First of all, friends, I wanna invite you to fight for space. We can't do busy. We gotta be done with busy. Be present, notice, step into the in-between, revere people, because many times God shows up and ends up looking a lot like people. So as you leave this space today, I wanna invite you to take three square feet of the earth, wherever you are, backyard, out in the field, and just observe three square feet. See what's happening. Can you do three square feet or we want to shoot for four? And then take a moment to delight in people. Delight in your partner. Delight in your friends. Delight in the people that you're interacting with. Just delight in them. Just, just light up inside and delight. And then the last thing is maybe for 20 minutes this week, you can just take your hand and trace it on a piece of paper and then draw the wrinkles, the veins. Some of you have freckles, scars. And just draw your hand and delight in this created part of your body. Thank you for this hand. Let's practice stepping into the in-between, opening ourselves up to the possibility that as we leave this place today, we might bump into tables. We might come up against the gate of heaven. We might, we might see a ladder. You just never know. Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to your reality, and we ask that you, above all, would be honored as you meet us in the in-between. Help us to wake up. We can't afford to go one more day without waking up to your reality. So awake us up. Help us to pursue the goose, because the goose is on the loose, and we want to just grab on for the ride of our lives and see where you take us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus.